This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. This is Martin Strong, and this is Vancouver Consumer. Coming up, if you own a business, you don't have to go it alone. Sharon McCly, a partner at Manning Elliott Vancouver, will be with us. She is a tax expert in estate planning and business transition services for Canadian businesses in a wide range of industries. So if you're thinking of passing on your business as you retire, or you're interested in some solid, tax-efficient estate planning, We'll find out how Manning Elliott can help you. But first, a look at some of the Vancouver consumer headlines from this past week. We are starting to get back on the bus and SkyTrain and the C-Bus, too. TransLink just saw its highest jump in riders since the start of the pandemic. The Transit Authority says it saw 17% more riders during the first four weekdays after Labor Day compared to all the weekdays throughout August. It's the highest boost in ridership in 18 months. And of course, a lot of it has to do with people going back to school and back to work. But TransLink CEO Kevin Quinn also sees it as a sign that we're getting into a more traditional routine since the COVID epidemic hit. System-wide ridership is still at about 55% of pre-COVID levels. However, the Transit Authority says bus ridership in the southeast part of the region is at 66% of pre-pandemic levels attributed to a higher percentage of frontline workers. It's probably going to be a lot more expensive this winter to heat our homes with natural gas prices soaring to heights we haven't seen in years. While natural gas prices in Canada and the U.S. have not hit the record levels they're seeing right now in Europe and the U.K., they're insane there, they're still higher than they've been in six years. Increased economic activity, the loosening of COVID-19 restrictions around the globe, and the phase-out of coal are all helping to drive increased demand for natural gas. At the same time, production hasn't caught up with demand. The uncertainties of the global pandemic have made producers reluctant to make significant capital investments in new drilling programs, and Canadian natural gas storage levels are at five-year lows. This past Thursday, the natural gas spot price was 4.95 US per 1 million BTUs. That's an increase of 133% from the same day a year ago. And that's still far from the worst days in the mid 2000s when natural gas prices spiked as high as 10 to $11 at times, more than double what it is now. Fortis BC, which is BC's largest natural gas distributor, will increase our rates as of October 1st, with most customers expected to see their monthly bills increase by approximately $8 or 9%. And uh, do you have a mix and match cocktail of COVID vaccines? Lots of people do. And uh, that means, you you know, maybe you had AstraZeneca for your first shot and then you had Moderna for your second shot. That's what I have. Uh, a North Vancouver man is calling on the province to find solutions to those facing some problems when it comes to international travel. A Remco de Haas got two doses of a COVID 19 vaccine. He got AstraZeneca uh, and Moderna, which Moderna is now Spike Vax, which is a cool name. But he got one AstraZeneca and one Moderna. But as a result, he doesn't meet the eligibility requirements for travel to a number of different countries. As an IT project manager who works abroad, he's been left stranded 
as a result. And he's not alone as about 10% of the Canadian population has received mixed doses, according to the federal government. A major cultural celebration is coming back to Vancouver. The 18th annual downtown Eastside Heart of the City Festival returns at the end of October. Over 60 community partners are involved and more than 100 events will be taking place throughout the downtown Eastside and online. Uh, It runs from October 27th to November 7th. Tickets and registration for events will be available in early October. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. And coming up, it's all about estate planning, especially if you own a small business. We'll talk to the folks at Manning Elliott. That's coming up next. So stick around. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and it's time to talk about businesses, most notably family businesses. My guest right now is Sharon McCly, a partner at Manning Elliott Vancouver. You can see them on the web at manningelliott.com. Sharon is a tax specialist in estate planning and business transition services for Canadian owner-managed businesses in a wide range of industries. Sharon McCly, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Martin. Looking forward to it. Yeah, well, let's talk about uh, estate planning and family businesses. I mean, first of all, let's define... I mean, you hear that phrase all the time. It's a family business and it makes you think of different things. I think of like a corner store where you have, you know, the kids working and stuff, but let's define what a family business is. So, you know, a family business, it's it's a really broad term and you're right. It would include the corner store. It would include, um, you know, any kind of small business that's family owned. The thing is, that can actually be a very large business. So if you've got a family-owned business that's, say, in real estate, the value of that could be quite significant. Some family businesses also start. So if you've got an engineer who started an engineering company where, you know, him he was the main owner, and as his business grew, so did his family involvement in that business. So family business is a really broad term. Typically, it's you know, when we look at it, it's any company that's not really publicly owned, likely at some point started as a family business. And maybe it's, you know, it's a very largely widely held now, but generally speaking, it's just something that's privately owned. That's usually where you see a lot of these tax issues come up. Right. And I guess there's probably a lot of cases where things start as a small business and then they grow and that creates all sorts of challenges, hey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the value grows, the complexity of the business itself grows. So sometimes, you know, you're just carrying on business in Canada, and then you start expanding into other countries, that complexity grows. Um, Sometimes you have employees that you want to retain, so you make them shareholders. So, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole slew of family businesses that are, you know, in some cases, very simple. And in some cases, the complexity is, is, is crazy. Yeah. And that's why you need a tax specialist on your side, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like yeah. uh, Sharon McCly, who I'm talking to, she's a partner at Manning Elliott in Vancouver, manningelliot.com. Um, well, let's talk about some of the specific challenges that a family business would face. You know, maybe some examples. What, what, is a t- what are some of the challenges that family businesses face when it comes to this kind of thing? So, you know, as I mentioned, growth, right? So that's something that's a challenge for a lot of family businesses. It starts small 
and it keeps growing. It's it's a great challenge, but it is, it does cause challenges. Um, there's things you have to worry about beyond just running the business. Now you're not just you know doing whatever service you're providing. You're not just being an engineer. You're not just selling products. You now have to deal with HR issues. You have to deal with um, you know sales tax issues. You have to deal with your own in, the company's income tax issues. You have to deal with retention. And then a big one is succession. And that's what we're seeing a lot of right now is, is a lot of family-owned businesses have, you know, grown with the main family owner. And now the value is quite high. That family owner wants to retire or sell. So how is that succession going to happen? How are they going to pass that on to the next generation? And then anytime you own shares of a private company, you always have tax issues, personal tax issues. So the owners, so not only the and to the corporate issues of that family business, you're going to have some personal tax issues at the shareholder level as well. Right. So it can get uh, it can get a little complicated. Um, and yeah. uh, you talk about succession, and I, I think of that HBO show Succession, which is excellent. <laughs> um, but uh, succession, because once you start bringing family members into something, uh, it gets very very complicated, and it's not always a smooth transition. Uh, maybe the the son or daughter who is uh, the, the 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 parent is retiring and the son or daughter is taking over. Uh, I guess that is not as simple as it appears. No, and it's 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 you know there's income tax consequences, and the big one is the family dynamics, and that's probably where a lot of the time is spent. Um, we've seen a lot of owners that you know whatever, and I think this is very typical of any parent. They just don't feel their child is ready to take over the business. Whereas the child is like is wants the parent to leave so that they can take over the business. There's that conflict. You also have conflicts when you're kind of parachuting a family member into the business. A little bit of nepotism might be a concern there. Um, we've seen various transactions take place where you've got the this child come in either as a silent shareholder, so that means they have they own they own the company but they have no say in the management and what that company does. We've had situations where the child has worked in the company all the way through and now, you know, is in a management position that's going to continue to own it. It's, it's all over the place and it's, it's really based on the fa- family dynamics. There's absolutely tax considerations to think of, but the big one is the family dynamics. Right. Yeah, no, that's an interesting dynamic. The the uh, son or daughter who is like the owner, but they're not allowed to make any decisions for the business. Mm-hmm. That that must get kind of tricky. Yeah, and sometimes that's better for the business. So, you know, you've got to think of what's the right decision. If that, if that person is, you know, the child, the son or daughter is not ready or not as knowledgeable enough yet to take those decisions on, that's something that you have to deal with. And so I always ask my clients, if it's ever a situation where you do have some of these intentions to really be clear with all family members, because if you've picked, you know, your daughter to take over the business and not your son, how, what, how does that work? Like, are they both going to be happy? Maybe neither wants to take over the business. Um, yeah, we've seen it in a lot of, like, even in accounting practices, we see it law firms all over, you know, service oriented companies and also, companies that are selling products, the succession is, is, is a big deal. 
Yeah, we're talking to Sharon McClay, partner at Manning Elliott in Vancouver. ManningElliott.com is the website. And we're talking about family businesses and the succession of family businesses, how, you know, how complicated that can be. What are some of the common mistakes that you often see when it comes to people running family businesses, whether it's a small one or a large one? So, I mean, ignoring like the operations of the business, um, the, the succession is usually an issue. Um, we see a lot of people that also, and, and it's, it's almost not a mistake, it's almost something natural. They really focus on the business and they don't think about what happens to them personally when they are to pass away or to transition that business to the next generation. There's a lot of tax implications of that. Um, a lot of businesses want to be sold and you have to, you know, you have to tie a bow around that business. You have to make it look in a way that it's ready to be sold. You kind of have to clean things up. Um, another issue that we see with businesses is a lot of people put personal, you know, kind of mix business and personal in a way. So that's something that that sort of training uh, to tell that owner is that, yes, you own the shares, but you don't own those assets. So you can't just run personal expenses through your company. So those, it's kind of breaking a few habits and then and, and a lot of forward thinking. That's what I would say. The forward thinking is, is, you know, really where we would come in and help out with our clients. Right. And it sort of sounds like uh, Manning Elliott, the kind of services you provide um, are obviously, you know, tax specialist services. Like you, you get to the nuts and bolts of saving money for taxes, but it's kind of more than that, isn't it? It's more of an overview. Yeah. You know, we, we like to be business advisors. So we really want to look at what your structure is, look at what your business is and, and advise on, on more than just the income tax. So a lot of our clients, tax is definitely a driver, but there's a lot of other issues that come up, a lot of um, regulatory issues, as I said, payroll issues, things like that, that are, you know, HR, IT, those kind of issues that we see coming up with a lot of our clients and things to consider. Yeah. What What's the most common thing that you help uh, businesses navigate through? Just maybe just an example that Manning Elliott uh, would would step in and uh, and help the the business owner navigate through. So a lot of times we, um, you know, our current clientele, just given that there's a lot of baby boomers, we do have a significant number of people that are sort of in the retirement age of their career. So a lot of our time is spent on the transition or the sale of a business and just guiding our clients through that, guiding them through the process and, and doing our best to make it as tax efficient as we can. Um, on ongoing businesses that are that continue to be that continue to run, we do provide all sorts of support with respect to, you know, business decisions and some of the business decisions can range from should I buy this piece of equipment? And of course we can't really advise on that specific piece of equipment, but we can tell you whether it makes sense on a financial overview of that decision if if you should be purchasing more equipment, whether you should be hiring more people, whether you should be expanding outside of the country, things like that. So it's just the general advice of any issues that come up with our clients. But my focus is definitely on as a tax partner on the income tax side. So it would be, you know, look at your structure. Is it is it tax efficient? Are there things that you may be missing and um, should be reporting or things, opportunities that you've missed that could save some save taxes. And then I always look to the shareholders and is your share, are the shareholders actually tax efficient? Are they pulling the right amount of funds out of the company? 
Are they doing their estate planning? Are they thinking about the future? Things like that. Yeah, just more reason why you need uh, Sharon McClay behind you. Uh, she is a tax specialist at Manning Elliott Vancouver, uh, a specialist in estate planning, business transition services for Canadian owner-managed businesses in a wide range of, of industries. And I read this statistic, kind of disturbing, uh, talking about succession, people handing down the business to maybe family members or whatever, but succession plans... Uh, 65% of family businesses do not survive past the first generation of ownership, which is kind of disturbing and kind of surprises me a little bit. Does it surprise you? You know, I, yes, and I guess it's not surprising, but you would really hope that things have been planned very well. Um, a lot of times we see clients that are in a certain type of business and their children do not want to be in the business that they're in. They've, they've established their careers. They're not doing the same thing that one dad did. And so that, I think, is a big issue is when you've got a situation where you've created a business and you'd like your children to take it over, but there's no, there's no interest or no, you know, it's not the right decision for them. That often happens. And so if you force your child into that, I, you know, the success won't be too great. Um, I, I really do think that's why it's so important to do the succession planning early, because if you determine that you expect your child to take over the business and you actually have the conversation, you have a family meeting and you ask that child and they say, no, I don't want to. I want, I want this type of a role, not, you know, the day-to-day -day management of the business. You can then look into hiring a management team that will deal with the day-to-day -day management of the business. The business will continue on. Your children will still benefit from the business. They just don't have to be there day-to-day. -day. Um, and sometimes the child that you thought wanted to step up is not the child that actually wants to and someone else does. I, I really, you know, with respect to transitioning your business or, or any kind of estate planning, family meetings and clear communication are key. Yeah, and I could see that being very common. You have uh, uh, a child who's probably grown up in the business and, uh, you know, maybe even worked in the business, but really wants to do something else. They want to be a journalist or something. And then, yeah. yeah. So uh, we'll we'll talk more. Sharon McClay, partner at Manning Elliott Vancouver, manningelliott.com. She's a tax specialist in estate planning and business transition services. And uh, when we come back, I want to find out about family enterprise advising. And if you've got a business, if it, no matter what business it's in, if it's large or small, uh, Manning Elliott uh, can help, manningelliot.com. And that's all when we come back. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And we are talking about uh, tax and family business and estate planning with Manning Elliot Vancouver. And uh, a tax specialist at Manning Elliot is Sharon McClay. And you can visit uh, the website manningelliot.com, find out everything you need to know about the business. And uh, Sharon, we were talking before the break about uh, family enterprise advising. Define, first of all, what that is, family enterprise advising. So, you know, enterprise advising and when you're dealing with families, it really relates to the wholesome overview look at that family enterprise. So that's just not 
related to the corporation. We would take it down all the way to the shareholders, to the activities of the corporation. It's a pretty broad term. Um, often what we do is we will speak to our clients and the big question is what is bothering you? What, what is on your mind? What, what are your concerns? You know, what are your top issues? And through the advisory role, we really try to identify these issues and, and see if we can solve them. And often it's not that it's an accounting and a tax and a financial issue. Sometimes it's something that, you know, an expertise that we reach out to our network to resolve. But the whole idea of family enterprise advising is, is taking that overview with our clients, identifying the issues that they have, not the issues that we think they have, but really sit down and identify the issues that they have and helping them through these issues all from the tax all the way to any other, you know, day-to-day type concerns that they would have. So what, what's an example of an issue that, that people might have? So we, we have, um, you know, a lot of times right now recruiting is a big problem. I think a lot of people, we've, we've seen, you know, we've heard commentary through the news that there's a shortage of staff. So that's sometimes an issue. What's, what are some strategic ways you can start recruiting? What are some strategic benefits you can use? Um, what are some options there? We've had clients, obviously, there's the typical tax question, and it's, you know, generally, how do I save tax? What do I structure? How do I structure things? Where do I spend my money in a way that's the most tax-efficient way? Um, as I mentioned before, succession planning is a large one, and, and often by the time you're thinking of succession planning, if your advisor hasn't brought it up to you in advance, you're probably a little bit late in the game. So that's one that's quite large. And, and a big one is if, if you've got considerable wealth, you want to make sure you structure your affairs that you're taking care of your family. You want to make sure you've left them with, you know, funds that help them take care of themselves, property that help them, you know, be successful in their future. You might have grandchildren. A big one that we're seeing a lot more is, is people that have families with disabilities. And so how do we take care of, each specific family member's needs now and and when we pass. So that's something that we're seeing a lot of. Right. And we're talking estate planning um, now. And uh, uh, Sharon McClay is a partner at Manning Elliott Vancouver, a tax specialist in estate planning and business transition services. So let's talk about estate planning. Are are most people not uh, prepared enough for that inevitable conclusion, which is going to come to us all, but but are, are most people not um, organized enough in in this area? Do you think? Yeah, and you know, I think a lot of times people don't realize how much value they have. So often, what we do when we start doing the estate planning is we'll try and sit down and see what do you own and how much is that worth. And sometimes that exercise shocks a lot of people. Um, and once we know what their value is, then we try and see what will happen when they pass away. Because that's the whole purpose of, of estate planning is we want to make sure that we know what's going to happen when you pass away in terms of the taxes you'll pay, any other fees that you'll pay to transition your assets to the next generation, and what assets are going where. Um, a big part of Vancouver value is really sitting in real estate and we're seeing a lot of people that have passed away that are being forced to sell real estate which they may not have wanted to do so the deceased may not have wanted their family members to have to sell that real estate but there's no other way to liquidate all those assets basically get the cash to pay the tax bill and that's the other pieces you want you want to know your value you want to know where the assets are going 
And you also want to know how much tax am I going to have to pay? How much is going to be gone to the tax man, essentially? Right. So if you're, maybe you're getting a little older, what's the first step? Like you, you call Manning Elliott, manningelliot.com. What, what's the first thing you would do with someone when you're figuring out an estate plan? So the first thing that we do is, um, like I said, we, I would try and get a list of all your assets. What do you own um, and what are they worth today? Not what they'll be worth, you know, when you bought them, but what are they worth today? Then we do need to know what they actually were, what the cost is. And so that's how we calculate the gain, the, the tax, the, what's going to be taxed essentially when you pass away. So a lot of people are very surprised that aside generally from your principal residence, Every asset that you own, if it's increased in value, you're going to have to pay tax on that increase, even if you haven't sold it. Um, it's just something that happens when you pass away. Sometimes what we do is we look at where are those assets supposed to go and does your will actually have that outlined clearly. And then if there's, there's rules that, that are quite beneficial. If you're married and you have a spouse and all your assets are going to your spouse, well, on the first to die, you don't pay tax. But then on the second to die, that person will pay tax. Um, so we look at that, if there's any of those types of options. A big one is charitable intent. There's a lot of very flexible rules with respect to charities and making donations in the year that you pass away. So, but you, they do have to be structured properly. Um, BC has something called the Wills Variation Act. And what that is, there's certain parties that are entitled under this act. And if your will doesn't provide for those parties it's generally children and, and, and spouses they can they can basically change your wishes they can attack your will so can we structure things to deal with that or, or just be aware of these rules that this is what's going to happen and can you structure it in a way to address these issues up front um, so really like the main thing that I like to do when I'm doing the estate planning is I, I, I look at I look at your tax structure is is your ownership of assets efficient is, you know, could we tweak certain things to make it a little bit more either easier to transfer the asset to the next generation, pay less tax, um, and then just make sure your wishes are carried out. Sorry. The, um, another issue with, with estate planning is, you know, you've had a family member pass away and you've got all this administration that you have to deal with. And that's right. very difficult. So, like, just dealing with, with assets moving to other family members, um, just accessing cash, depending on how it's set up, you may not be able to access the funds to, to pay for taxes or pay for funeral expenses, things like that. Um, and then, and then that's, that makes things very hard. So I do like to try and get to a point with my clients that we look at that piece. Is, is the administration of your state easy? And if it's not, can we make it easy? And, and I mentioned this earlier, is family meetings. I think it's very important, very important. And, and it's very unusual. A lot of people didn't do this. I mean, my parents included. They weren't comfortable with sitting down and talking to the heirs and saying, this is how I'm dividing my, my, my assets. This is how I'm dividing when I pass away. These are my wishes. And I think having these conversations, they're extremely uncomfortable, obviously, because you're talking about, you know, family member passing away. But it gives a lot of clarity to everybody. And if there's an issue, we can deal with it then. And we've also had clients that are, that have are of the mindset that I'm going to enjoy my life taxes when I die and where my assets go. That's not my problem. <laughs> I don't have to deal with it. So they <laughs> don't do a lot of estate planning. So we've had sort of a varying, 
range, but I think it's just really good to have some knowledge. What, what are my options? Where I'm set now, do I want to make any changes? And you can't do that without sort of taking stock of where you are today. Right. I guess, yeah, like you say, communication is the key. Um, mm -hmm. we're, we're talking to Sharon McCly, a partner at Manning Elliott Vancouver, manningelliott.com. Uh, Sharon is a tax specialist in estate planning and business transition services. And, and it's, it's kind of funny because you were just saying about how, you know, people don't like to talk about this kind of stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. it, and in my experience, the older people uh, are the ones who kind of want to talk about it. And it's the younger people who, who kind of are, are, you know, they feel uncomfortable, especially when you're talking to someone about their death. It, it can be, uh, it can be kind of complicated, can't it? Yeah. And it's, it's really awkward. It's very awkward because yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, a lot of times you don't want to think about your parents dying. I mean, I don't love those conversations either, but it's especially when you own a business and, and, and you've got a succession. So it's not just, I've got my RSP investment and it's going to go to my wife or my children or whatever. If it's, you know, real assets, real estate, shares of a corporation, things like that, you have to have these conversations because it's, if you don't, you're essentially leaving a bit of a nightmare for your family to deal with when you pass away. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. So uh, if people uh, get a hold of you at manningelliot.com, um, I guess uh, they can uh, they can just basically test the water and and give them like tell you their situation and uh, you can uh, you know tell them what they need to do and go from there. Yeah, yeah. So we you know we we kind of do where you are today. What are your plans? And then we'll look at, you know, and some people don't even have a will. So do you have a will? When is the last time you looked at your will? And, you know, you may have looked at your will when you had minor children, when you had uh, a five-year-old and now your child is now 30 and married and has their own children, you know? So have you, have you revisited your will? Have you, have you looked to make sure that what you have in that document still holds? Um, these kinds of things need to be done. I, I recommend a lot of our clients, especially like the high net worth clients, to look at their wills every five years because the rules change, court cases can change the way, you know, wills and, and estate document type things are administered and tax rules change. So does your will actually reflect, you know, does it will actually work the way you want it to work essentially? Right. And, and I guess a lot of people just think, well, my spouse will just get everything and it'll be fine, but it's certainly yeah. a lot more complicated than that. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and if that's your intention, that's great, but you just want to make sure that intention is very clearly documented. Um, BC has something called probate fees and probate tax essentially. And so what that is, is when you pass away, even if you sent, give it to your spouse, depending on how the ownership is structured, you could pay, uh, some more tax that that's quite simple to avoid just by by having certain things. You know, if you've got your your certain assets aren't subject to probate, but they come in because you've got other assets that aren't structured properly. So those kinds of little little tweaks will help save money in the future. Right, right. Sharon McCly is a partner at Manning Elliott Vancouver, manningelliot.com. And uh, just quickly, in the time we have left, uh, let's talk about how important family businesses are uh, in Canada. I'm looking at these stats. They employ over 6 million Canadians. Uh, an average family business employs over 18 people. 
And uh, they employ 4.7 million people full-time, 1.3 million part-time workers. So, um, you know, family businesses are, are such a huge part uh, of, uh, of, of this country and the economy. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's, I agree. I, can, I, I think it's a very important part of our economy. Um, a lot of people, and I think we've seen it a lot more in the pandemic, are working for themselves. And so that's essentially where that family business starts. It's someone who's working for themselves that has decided not to work for an employer, essentially. Or they've got an idea and they just want to structure it in a different way and they want to own, own it themselves. Um, we, and as I mentioned, we've seen family businesses that start quite small, that grow quite quickly. Um, there's a lot of family businesses, small businesses in, in, in Vancouver, essentially. We're not a big head office city. And so a lot of our clients are small businesses. And as I mentioned, it's, it's from ground up to what would essentially be a very large multi-million dollar company, but it's still family owned. You still have the individual that started the business as a shareholder and very heavily involved, maybe trying to retire, but, but still pretty involved. So yeah, family businesses are definitely important. And, 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 you know, they need to be treated as such and, and attention needs to be paid to them as such. Well, thank you so much, Sharon. This has been very interesting. Thanks for talking to us. Thanks, Martin. Take care. Sharon McCly, partner at Manning Elliott Vancouver. If you'd like to get a hold of Sharon or any of the folks at Manning Elliott, just go to manningelliot.com. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And when we come back, do you have drawers full of chargers for cell phones and other electronics? And they're all different. You don't know which one is which. Well, the European Union is trying to change that. I've got that story coming up next. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong and a big thanks to Sharon McCly, a partner at Manning Elliott in Vancouver. You can get a hold of Manning Elliott at their website, manningelliott.com. Sharon is a tax specialist in estate planning and business transition services for Canadian businesses in a wide range of different industries. And uh, we talked a lot about succession when people uh, retire and they want to pass the business on to maybe their children or employees. And uh, whenever I think of succession, I think of that HBO show. And I think most uh, of these kind of businesses that Manning Elliott is dealing with are not as cutthroat as the uh, people on succession, that HBO show, because those people, they mean business. Um, Another story that's interesting in the consumer world, the European Union is sick of People having drawers full of chargers for their phones, old chargers, chargers that work for one thing, but they don't work for another thing. You probably have a drawer in your home just full of cords. Well, you know, in the European Union, they figured there's about 11,000 metric tons of electronic waste thrown out every year by Europeans. And uh, some of that are these cords, these chargers. So the European Union is demanding universal chargers for phones. The European Union unveiled plans uh, on Thursday of this week to require smartphone makers to adopt a single charging method for mobile devices. For example, if you have an Android phone, the charger works in that. It also works in an iPhone. But the main holdout, take a guess who it is. It's Apple. Uh, Apple says it is concerned that these new rules 
would limit innovation and that would end up hurting consumers. iPhones come with the company's own lightning charging port through uh, the newest models and they come with cables that can be plugged into a USB-C socket and the European Union wants all the chargers to be USB compatible. The commission says the typical person living in the EU owns at least three chargers and they use two regularly, but 38% of people report not being able to charge their phones at least once because they couldn't find the compatible charger. Some 420 million mobile phones or portable electronic devices were sold in the European Union last year. They'd give the companies some time, though. Companies will get two years to adapt to these new rules once and if they take effect. The rules would apply only to electronics sold in the European single market's 30 countries. But like the EU's strict privacy regulations, if they get adopted in Europe, they could end up being a de facto standard for the rest of the world. So you never know. Just because they're doing this in Europe, it also means that uh, it could mean that we have one single charger for all our electronic devices. How convenient would that be? Who would be against that? I know downstairs in my house, there is a drawer and it is full of chargers. Well, this is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. You can hear us every Saturday from 2 to 4. And I'm Martin Strong, and I want to thank our producer, Jonathan Chung. We'll see you next week. And stick around. The news is next. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.